Hi, this is Jordan Shively. And I'm Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Caring Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or maybe dark story we've heard, and then we try and find the silver lining or flip it into something that, while possibly not positive, will at least be productive. How are you doing today, Brock? Doing good. like to take a chance here to plug one of our sponsors, Indoors. Uh, indoors. Going well. Going well for everybody. Everyone loves it. Uh, use uh, code CARING to get 10% discount on more time indoors. I've been using Indoors for a while now, Brock, and it is working great for me. <laughs> I have never felt more indoors than when I'm using Indoors. <laughs> We just want free socks. If somebody out there can get us the Bombas people, that's, that's all we really need. In Squarespace, you're not that easy to use. Um, <laughs> all right, moving along. Today I have a story which is titled Church of Bone, but I don't think that's all that important. So this story is less of a story, actually, and it's more of a scene report for the Carrying Into the Void universe. So imagine arriving at a very beautiful chapel built in the Czech Baroque style. You might stand there breathing in the early morning air and shiver slightly because you most likely didn't bring a jacket because you were like, I get chilly, but I really hate carrying a jacket. And once it's warmed up and finally, after about 15 soul agonizing minutes, you made the snap judgment that you now regret. Anyway, you were there in the Czech Republic in Sedlec looking up at this chapel and you might be thinking to yourself, wow, this reminds me of the work of architect Jan Santini Akiel, whose crenellations in particular are evocative of their work in the early 1700s. And you know what, dear constant listener? You would be right. And then you step inside, and you are in a Warhammer 40K church. And it is metal <laughs> as fuck. Everywhere, the morning light adds a soft glow to yellowed bone. And I mean everywhere. It's like somebody hacked Minecraft and made it like, oops, all bones edition. There are, there are candelabras that are like pylons of skulls with fucking cherubs holding candles and skulls on top. There is a chandelier in the middle of this fucking place that has every bone in the human body, even the dangle Cossacks. And I don't mean, like, arrange reverently, like, to show the human nature and body. More like taken apart and used as tinker toys. And as you're stepping deeper into this Ossuarian labyrinth to check out what... Yep, yep, that's garlands of skulls and leg bones <laughs> going around like, like a creepy... Like a goth kid's birthday party all over the place in the doorways. And you might wonder, could this possibly be the work of 18th century woodcarver... Frantisek Rent when he was given free reign by the Schwarzenberg family to put all the bones in any order he wanted. And turning around, you would see the doorway. And yep, there is his name spelled out in human bones like a fucking lich lord. So you would be right about that one. At this point, you're probably giddy with excitement because, duh, this is the coolest church ever. So you sidle over to the informational plaque Spoilers, it is also framed in human bones to see what the fuck happened here. It turns out that this is all the fault of an abbot named Henry. Henry went on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and brought back some dirt from the supposed hill of Golgotha. And he sprinkled that shit all over the graveyard at the then Cistercian Monastery, which apparently made that the fucking cemetery to get buried in in all of Central Europe. So when then came the Black Death, and over the next century or so, close to 100,000 people were recorded to have been buried 
in this, and who knows how many weren't recorded. And mind you, this was not the nice, orderly, tombstone sort of cemetery you're probably imagining. Instead, it was a plot with land with huge pits dug into it that bit hundreds of bodies at a time where they were left to decompose. And as you can imagine, after a time, they were running out of rooms for corpses at this hot plot. So they started removing bones and stacking them in the chapel. And of course, they gave this job to a mostly blind monk without any guidance of what he should do. And of course, he made bone fucking pyramids, which you can still see in the four corners of the ossuary, where they fit together without any sort of mortar, just the weight of mortality. And that went on until 1870, when old Renty was hired by the Schwarzenbergs, and the rest is metal as fuck history. The <laughs> ossuary of Sedlick. <laughs> it's the videos I sent you. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, this is exactly what it is. <laughs> I love that the first one I sent you, there's like a silent film one that was made by like a, in the 1970s by a documentarian, which you can easily find on YouTube. And like it was the Czech Republic or I guess Czechoslovakia at the time had hired him to make this documentary for like tourism. And he turned in what I showed you, which is like this, this crazy art piece of like people <laughs> murmuring over like time lapsing of skulls jittering back and forth. And they're and like, it was banned. It like became a banned movie for a while. Look, if Nike could hire David Lynch to make an ad for them, then they can hire this dude in the 70s yeah, but, to run their you know, tourism board. Czechoslovakia in the, in the 70s, maybe not into like showing how creepy their shit was. So that's the Sedlik Ossuary. Probably the most metal shit I've ever seen. My God. Ever? Ever? <laughs> it's like if you turned that in as a like concept art, people would be like, oh, you went, wait, this is too much. E even for Warhammer, this is, you even know. Even for Warhammer, they have a couple skulls like around doors. This was like the door was built out of skulls and like they took apart the bones to like make a match and stuff. You went Warhammer 70K, we need about 40, 40, 35. Yeah, can you dial it back? That's like a, you know. <laughs> What is your carrying into the void moment? On this? So the carrying into the void moment for this is you will not always be lingering in this pit. It might seem like it, but you are just waiting, taking a moment to let all the old and dead things that have held you back to just rot away, to slip off your bones and leave you changed and ready to begin building something new, something that no longer adheres to the perceived order of how things are supposed to fit together. You will be rebuilt according to how you were always meant to be. A towering monolith of potential. Or maybe a candelabra that just loves lighting the way. Either way, that pit will someday be forgotten. And this new shape you have claimed, it is here to stay. I love it so much. <laughs> so so what, what do you have to this week? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad that you went light because I'm about to go dark. Uh... This is, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, do all trigger warnings, uh, body horror, mental health, uh, needles, blood, PTSD, uh, and uh, abuse, just the whole thing here. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a bit of a rough one, uh, but it's personal and uh, felt worth sharing with you. Uh, so uh, if you need to tab out now, it's good that Jordan and his funny bone church went first. Um, I like that ours is the show where an ossuary is like the lighthearted one. <laughs> I mean, somebody wrote out his own name in bone to let us know who the artist was. Like, that's pretty wacky. <laughs> it, it just it just goes too far to be serious. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, 
uh, two-ish weeks back, um, I kind of died and uh, had to go to the hospital. Uh, I have a condition, uh, which I've known about for a little while, uh, called diabetic ketoacidosis. Uh, and basically uh, what happens is out of nowhere, my blood will turn into acid, like a xenomorph from the Alien series, uh, which is also uh, metal as fuck. Uh, but quite painful uh, and uh, and not the most pleasant uh, thing. So I wound up um, in the hospital for an extended period of time. And um, I've never, I've been very lucky in my life to be very, very healthy and never really have an extended period. The, the worst I've had was about a three-day stay in Los Angeles a couple of years back, uh, where even with pretty good health insurance, I got a bill for that for $36,000. Uh, that I'm not sure I will ever pay off. So as a dude, being dude-like, dude, dude -like, um, I've never been one to like offer to go to the doctor or the hospital. It's always had to be my partner to be like, no, you have to go now. And this was the first time that I was like, hey, actually, I haven't been able to breathe for a couple hours, and I think I'm having a heart attack or something, uh, and then uh, went. So at least at the very edge of it, I know I can uh, call this. So uh, I went up in the hospital, and there's a day or so that I – I just wasn't there. They were worried that maybe I'd had a stroke or I had uh, some sort of uh, brain tumor or something because I was doing things that didn't uh, go well with reality. And I was told about a lot of them later, which became very funny to me. Like there's one where I, I just kept pointing at, at a box of gloves on the wall. And my wife knew that the medicine they had me on uh, gave me dry mouth. And she was like, do you want the box of Kleenex next to it? Do you want to spit into a Kleenex or something, and I couldn't make words, but I was going, bum, bum, bum. and I was pointing at uh, the box of the plastic gloves, and my wife was like, I don't think you want a plastic glove, and one of the emergency room nurses just came in, got a glove, and handed it to me. She's like, I, I don't know. He wants a glove. He can have a glove. What's going to happen? And I immediately took the glove, opened it up, and, uh, and spit into it, and then handed it to my wife, and she's like, I knew what you wanted to do. I, I don't know why you needed a glove, and I was like, that's, that's fun. Uh, and, and new, uh, anyway, basically when I was conscious again, it's I, souvenir. Yeah. Souvenir. I don't think she kept it weirdly. Uh, so then I got put, uh, on a, on a floor, uh, with a lot of people that had a lot of problems. Uh, but I was conscious for this and, um, I was basically stabilized after a day or so. And like, we kind of knew what needed to happen. I wasn't in like a danger zone for stuff anymore, but what happens as they try to monitor this stuff is that I basically wasn't allowed to sleep because every 30 minutes to an hour, uh, somebody would come in and would take blood from me. Uh, from They would poke me and stick me, and I'm not a guy that does well uh, with needles, uh, with the side of my own blood, with hospitals in general. And so what, it, what occurred was basically uh, a week where I, I was constantly having somebody poke and prod me and, and, and at some points, it, it just seemed like I was being butchered. Uh, and on top of it, I wasn't allowed to sleep. And I think I sent Jordan some fun texts during that time. Uh, but, like, I was also at a point where I, it, it was, like, the I don't think the Silent Hill games will be fun for me anymore. Uh, and uh, I did a lot of hallucinating. Uh, I saw the clock go in reverse. Uh, there were people in my room that I knew weren't there. And I, it, it became clear at some point that my health issue itself was pretty stabilized, but they just kept keeping me there longer. And the longer they kept me, the more I broke down. So about four days in, uh, I was just twitching and holding my legs on the bed and sort of, 
I, I couldn't talk to people and I couldn't look at people and people just kept coming in and poking me. And uh, you, you, I've seen it in movies and thought like that level of like breaking down was like overacting. No, it took, it took me four days to get there. Um, and at one point I had to stop myself from uh, snarling at a nurse, uh, like, like a dog, like the, my, mm. the impulse in my mm, head yeah, yeah, when yeah, she came yeah, in yeah. to poke me was that I was just going to snarl. And I, I had to stop myself and go, oh, things are, things are quite bad. And, and in addition, in my, on my floor, there was a guy that kept screaming fire uh, at random points, and that would spook me. Uh, and then we had a fire drill happen, uh, and they, that wasn't great. And then we had another fire drill at night that night. And I was trying to joke with my wife. I was like, I've never heard of a fire drill at night. night. That doesn't seem uh, normal. Maybe this guy that's screaming fire is a time traveler from the future. Uh, and the next day, the floor beneath us caught fire, uh, an actual fire. <laughs> and uh, they couldn't get the alarm turned off for nearly an hour and a half. So there was just this constant screaming blare uh, while this woman's voice kept saying, uh, Code Red North Wing code red and like i was already at that place where like i didn't believe what i was seeing or hearing around me so uh it, uh point being i the insurance will never cover my therapy and like each time they told me i was spending <laughs> an extra day there uh even as somebody that has insurance i was starting to reach the point where i was like I, another day no no no, no. uh and I, at one point, I actually looked at the window and tried to figure out if I could escape because I was just like, I, it's impossible. I have no idea if, if that one thing costs that much money. And now I'm here for like a week plus, like, oh, God, how will I ever pay for this? And how does anyone that doesn't have insurance in America survive at all? It was it was a real breakdown moment for me and not and not feeling bad for myself, but just feeling bad for where we all were. And this was a few weeks ago where I was also on top of this, uh, not making it better for myself by leaving uh, the news on the TV for a couple of days and just being like, oh, hey, this uh, this virus thing has popped up. Why am I going through all this if I'm just going to get out and die? I, I, I went blackpilled a little bit. Um, anyway, this is all to say uh, a bunch of bad happened and it was easily the lowest point of, of my life. And I, I truly did not want to live anymore, but I was also so disconnected from, from reality itself. Cause I, my brain was just completely fried that I, I, I just, I, I wasn't here anymore. And then, uh, finally, uh, my doctor said, Hey, uh, you can go home now. And so, uh, they put me in a little wheelchair and took me out to my wife's car and we drove home. And I was in bed rest for a week where I wasn't allowed to get up out of the bed, not out of the room. Uh, and it is, it, it is probably next to the day I got married, the, the happiest day of my life. I just I sat in a bed and I took a bunch of naps and, and no one took my blood and I just felt like a human being again. And uh, that was just before everyone got told that we all have to stay inside. And so... There is a part of me that loves to be on Twitter and bitch and moan and, and talk about cabin fever and stuff. But uh, I got provided with this sense of perspective uh, a couple of weeks back. And like, it's not the perspective of like, oh, every day of life is precious because I don't know, I might not ever be that guy. But um, what I what I do have from that is this sense of, you know, uh, just being in in a place that feels OK to you uh, is is just so incredible the 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 experience of of even if i was just stuck 
in my bathroom, in my house for the next couple of months, I would be so happy because it wouldn't be the place I was uh, before. And so uh, this is my carrying into the void. Today might be the worst one, uh, the absolute bottom of the pit, the point on the chart that dips beneath the chart that leaves the scale that plummets to a point where it breaks the ground and it just keeps extending, a crushing that will not let up a vice that seems to not simply be fulfilling its technical function, but carries an air of enacting this with an almost sadistic delight. This is the pressure that your positive turns a coal into a diamond, but you are not coal and you are not about to crystallize. There will be no magical transformation into a perfect new creation. That's just not how this works. Um, existence doesn't participate in a lottery, but you needn't transform and you don't need magic. Your only goal is to endure because you will outlast the most unyielding force that this, that this dimension can throw your way. Inside of you is the strength to push back just by refusing to cease existing. If the vice does not stop pressing on you, it will eventually rust. Its grip will eventually crumble. The hole that is your prison will eventually start to fill. The chart can't track forever. I have seen the darkness, and I have seen beyond the darkness. I have felt its draw, and I have felt myself lost. I simply stayed, and staying is rebellion. Staying is the fight. Staying is your gift to yourself. Staying is revenge that proves that the void's power can never win. I plead and I beg of you, stay. I'm very happy that you stayed. Thanks, bud. Whew, yeah, yours was darker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, do you have any self-care this week? <laughs> Actually, my self care was uh, was uh, you uh, because uh, I, I was I was communicating with you and sort of talking about how the like watching TV and stuff. And uh, right out of the blue, you were like, "Well, you've got a lot of time coming in the hospital. Uh, read a book. You should be reading a book." And uh, for the first time in a very long time, I just sat down and plowed through a couple of books. I can't remember the last time I did so, and like. It, some, it's the some fucking of the best. It is the best, uh, minus the fact that there's at least one that I simply do not remember and will have to go back to at a later date. I was like, I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing the self-care, uh, but you, you can't win them all. Uh, so uh, thank you for your advice at that time. Uh, and uh, that, my, my sharing into the void uh, for this week is that uh, artists, entertainers, uh, people that are sort of outside the normal employment world, are definitely in a bad, weird spot right now. And uh, sometimes people don't give that any uh, respect or attention, especially when there's, when, ev when everyone is, is, is fucked equally. Uh, sometimes people choose who they care about and who they don't. Uh, I, would, I would advise you to find somebody uh, whose art you appreciate or, or a couple of people and uh, just toss a couple of bucks their way. Uh, Jordan is a person that has uh, a Patreon, but... Uh, you know, just anyone, because anyone that is sort of, sort of relying on uh, the internet community to keep making art, not only are they going to see people dropping off the map as everyone sort of has to take care of themselves, but also I cannot think of a time that we need art more than right now uh, for, for distractions, for, for something to remind us of, of why we stay uh, and to show us what the, makes the future exciting. Uh, so that is... That is my thing. Obviously, you know, do what you can. No one, no one needs to give 
money to support. You can always signal boost people. You can just find people and let them know, hey, I really like what you do. Uh, so that's that's my uh, sharing. Yeah, mine would be just echoing that with like the aside that like you see people who are like freelancing artists and stuff and you think, oh, they're cool. Like they get the work from home. This is like not bad for them. But all their clients are canceling because all their clients are businesses that are closed. So a lot of artists, myself and everyone you know, probably have lost the majority of their income for the year and don't have insurance and all that kind of stuff. So just be uplifting and kind when you see people who are maybe shilling a little more than you think they should. It's because they've lost pretty much their whole income. So be kind is my (laughs) signal boost. Boost kindness. That's it for this week, I think. Jordan, where can people find you online and support your work? You can find me online at jordanshively.com. And there's links there to my Patreon where I do like choose your own adventure stories and other writing and stuff. I also have a shirt website where I I design t-shirts, which is voidmerch.net. And I have a place you can contact me to hire me to do design for you pretty cheap and everything else also i have a twitter account which is at hottest singles which is not as porny as it sounds but sometimes it is though let's agree but sometimes it is (laughs) oh how about you brock (laughs) i am uh, at brock wilbur on twitter and other social media i am at brockwilbur.com and uh, my main gig is that i am the editor-in-chief of kansas city's alt magazine uh the pitch uh, which you can find at thepitchkc.com uh, or at the fast pitch on uh, Twitter. Um, uh, local journalism, uh, one of those things that uh, already suffering really bad, and I hope that by the time uh, this recording is released, we are still in operation. Uh, and if not, I hope we'll be back soon after that. Uh, so just uh, trying to do the best for our community. And uh, thank you for, for listening to this show and participating in, in all this with us where it will be with you here as long as we can (laughs) yeah and don't forget to subscribe so that you can always know when there's a ping in the void and it's us until next week keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and mini and we'll get back to you thank you